for me, it was it was also kind of realizing that um, life is far from perfect. Uh, no one has a perfect life, despite the optics that may be presented to the rest of the world. And um, and I kind of, I don't know if you've ever heard this saying, I, I think it's so powerful, but um, I forget where I heard it, but the saying that be careful when you point a finger of blame at someone because three are pointing right back at you. Um, and so I I kind of took that to heart because you know, rather than blame my ex-husband for doing this to us or um, anyone or thing, I kind of just said, let me look at myself and kind of move forward from here in the best way that I can and being the best person I can be, living the best life I can live um, as a mother, as a friend um, in, in the future relationship. Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. Meditation, massage, journaling, having lunch with an old friend. These are all examples of something called self-care. One definition of self-care could be called the practice of taking action to preserve and improve one's own health. And think about that, folks. How many times do you get caught up in, in life? How many times do you get caught up in being busy, running around, doing this, doing that? You know, we have work commitments. We have family commitments. We have all the things that we want to do that sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. You know, we need to check in with ourselves. You know, when was the last time you scheduled a doctor's appointment? When was the last time you had your teeth cleaned? You know, those are some examples of that. When was the last time maybe you spoke with a therapist? You know, that can be, that can be helpful just to kind of clear your head a little bit. To kind of get you know get going and think think about things from a different perspective. How about working with a performance coach or, or executive coach? You know these are all examples of self care. Exercise is one form of self care, right? Because exercise improves your quality of life. Exercise can improve your health. So exercise is definitely one form of self care. Now, what happens if you get so caught up in life and you're so busy? You're a working professional. And then one of your closest loved ones dies in a very tragic manner. You could imagine that's going to send you spiraling out of control. Well, that's what, exactly what happened with this episode's guest. Dr. Jennifer Ashton is an OBGYN who is a national medical correspondent for ABC News. She experienced a very personal, tough tragedy in her life that led her on a journey. And that journey led to the production of her book called The Self-Care Solution. In the self-care solution, you know, Dr. Ashton works both as a researcher and the subject because after this event that she went through, after this tragedy that she went through, she realized that she needed to recharge her batteries and she needed to take control of her life again. And so she spent a year going through various components of self-care to try to figure out what to do to create balance and bring balance back to her life. On this episode of All About Fitness, it's Dr. Jennifer Ashton. We have an in-depth discussion on what self-care means and how you can use it to enhance your quality of life. Her book, The Self-Care Solution, just came out, and you'll hear various solutions, and you'll hear various ways that you can use this concept of self-care to improve your life. So let's go ahead and get started with my discussion with Dr. Jennifer Ashton. I'm Pete McCall, the All About Fitness Podcast. Today, speaking with Dr. Jen Ashton. How are you doing today, Doc? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for thanks for being on. It's not often that we get a doctor uh, on the show. And as I was looking at your bio, I was very surprised to see that you're not the only doctor in your family. How many of your immediate relatives are working in the medical field? We are. Um, we're kind of a boring group, actually. <laughs> but I think. Um, all told in the family at one point, there are six or seven doctors, and my mom is a retired registered nurse, so there's a lot of us. Well, so what was that pressure like? When I saw that, I was like, oh, my goodness. Does that mean, like, night people were pouring over Gray's anatomy? You didn't get a chance to watch regular TV that you had an anatomy test? I mean, what was the – I don't want to think it was pressure. It was probably a positive pressure. I, I mean, I guess so. I, you know, I think for me, I literally grew up going to visit my parents at the hospital when they were working. And so I would sit at the nurse's station and 
that was the world that my brother and I were exposed to, you know, no differently than someone whose family is in the restaurant business or, you know, artists or musicians or anything like that. And so for us, that's just kind of all we knew. And I think my parents and my aunts and uncles, um, you know, were so, they were really inspiring to us. So I think that's why my brother and I um, decided to become doctors. And, you know, on a social level, I mean, when I say we're boring, of course, like a lot of our conversations did focus around medicine. Um, but in some ways, you know, the grass is always greener, right? Because in some ways, I think we all wished that we had some other <laughs> professions represented because now when we meet, you know, chefs or artists or athletes or whatever, we, we are just like starved to, to talk to them and learn about their lives. So it's pretty funny. Well, no, it's actually interesting. I just, on that note, yeah, no, my mother uh, grew up, I grew up with my mother as a lobbyist in Washington, D.C. And so my first, before I got into fitness, my first foray was into politics. So I can definitely uh, understand going down, down the family, going down that family uh, career there. Now, to, to switch gears here, you recently went through a, a pretty, I'm sure what was a very challenging tragedy with the loss of your husband. And that sent you, I don't want to, that kind of led you on a journey. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like to deal with, with the, the loss of a loved one and, and what, what kind of journey that led you on? Yeah. So um, in 2017, um, my husband, Rob, and I, who had been married for 22 years, we amicably and mutually ended our marriage. Um, and we were, you know, literally in tight, we were living across the street from each other. We were communicating every single day. Um, my, our children at that time were 17 and 18. And two weeks after our divorce was finalized, uh, Rob killed himself. And um, it was a national story because of my position with ABC News. And it was, you know, it came out of the blue for us. And we, you know, my children and I and my family um, were kind of catapulted into one of the biggest tragedies that can hit someone. And so it was during 2017 and 2018 where I really, um, you know, my focus was and still is, of course, on, on my children who are now both in college. And, you know, in doing so, I think the three of us kind of, we were always close, but we circled the wagons even more and we took stock of our lives and how we were living them um, for better or for worse. And we kind of built them in some ways. And part of that uh, involved how we communicate with each other um, and with people that we're close to, but it also it involved just the way that we live as individuals. So, you know, that's kind of basically one to two years condensed into one minute. <laughs> well, that's a very, but that's, I think the reason why I asked that, and I appreciate your sharing that because I can't, I, that, that could not have been easy, but I think a lot of, a lot of us at this time in our lives, you know, in our, in our forties and our fifties, you know, we go through things like this that kind of cause us to reflect. I mean, I went yep. through something very, very similar where I was going through a divorce and, and, and my, my ex lost a parent and it just, it caused you to sit back and reflect. So what did you, when you, when you did that, when you're going through that reflection period, what did it cause you to really, to really think about? What was your, what did it cause you to kind of take stop and, and take a look at your life? How did that react? How did you react? Oh, to that? I mean, literally everything. Um, I looked at my my work and was I was I where I wanted to be professionally where did I want to go what kind of impact was I having I looked at my family I looked at my friends I looked at you know relationships in general and how I was conducting them and you know and I guess from from the standpoint of just socially what what I started to realize is that, um, you know, it was exactly like when you speak to someone who's been diagnosed with cancer and they say, like, it wasn't until I was diagnosed that I really started living. And that's kind of how I feel. Um, you know, that's very similar to the experience that we had. It was, it was only in dealing with this tragedy that I think 
myself and my children who are pretty mature, um, despite their young ages, really started to look at our lives and say, you know, life is really precious. You know, in the blink of an eye, something could dramatically change. And so you have to make every moment count. And that involves the people in your life, how you are with those people you do for yourself. Um, and it, it was really, it was really a pivotal time for us. And I think that's such a, that's such a powerful thing, right? And I think there's a lot of things like that. It could be a loss of a job, could be a loss of a loved mm-hmm. one. So when you take that, what was your next step? You know, what, what did you do to kind of like, okay, you had this, had this sudden change, you had changed your marital status and all of a sudden you lose somebody, you know, the co-parent of somebody who's been in your life right. for so many years. So how do you deal with that? What was, what was the process, uh, Jen, for, for dealing with that, that sudden change in your life? You know, I mean, first it was, I was lucky enough to have a lot of professional therapy and still do. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily something every single week that my children and I do, but we realize that that will be a part of the rest of our lives. And so we use it not just when we need it or when we're struggling, but even, you know, as a wellness kind of step. So, you know, therapy was a huge part of it. Um, you know, I think the living the best life I can live um, as a mother, as a friend um, in in future relationships. And it, it was, listen, it's not like I've mastered it. I still am learning. I still have good days and bad days like, like a lot of people have. But um, I definitely feel like the healing that I've experienced and my children have experienced um, as you said, you know, for us, it was about suicide hitting our family, but for someone else, it might be a divorce, it might be an illness, it might be financial. I mean, there are a number of things that can really rock someone's world. And I, I we and I learned a massive amount and still am learning, you know, going, just going through that process. Well, what strikes me, Doc, is, is that, you know, here you are, you're, you're successful, you, you are a doctor. Um, have, when I speak to doctors, I always go to that, <laughs> that informal. Um, but but you're, you're a doctor, you, you, you have this practice, you, you have everything going on. When this happened, did you realize that, that even though you're busy and successful, did you realize that you're forgetting to do like little things, like the things um, that you write about with self-care? Did you realize that that had kind of like because I think we all get away from the reason why I ask that is I think we all get so caught up in life that we forget about the little things that we should be doing to take care of ourselves. So did this cause yeah. you to sit back and reflect and realize that you, you maybe had a few things missing in life? Um, you know, yes and no. I think that I, I have, because I have basically two demanding careers and if, if you include being a mother, which of course is, a full-time job, three, um, I I felt like I was doing pretty well on, you know, on one level of managing kind of myself in terms of my physical fitness. I hadn't spent as an, enough time or as much time focusing on my psychological and psychosocial fitness, if you will, because I was A, too busy, and B, it was difficult to do that. You know, I just kind of preferred to focus on the easier things, which for me were physical, um, you know, in terms of exercise and nutrition and things like that. But when Rob died, it, it really kind of leveled our world. So we had to start from scratch, and that involved you know, really taking stock of everything. And that's, that's kind of where the self-care solution idea uh, was born from. And I want to ask you about that, but, but, but one second, you just said something I think is very powerful. And I had a guest on recently, Dr. Kelly McGonigal, and we, we talked about this, but you talk about the social, kind of social aspect of fitness, the psychosocial aspect of fitness. And can I ask you, what type, what type of exercise do you prefer when you work out are you somebody that, that goes for a run by yourself or works out by yourself, or are you a class person? Um, most of the time, I'm a class person. Um, I really like, you know, kind of the group uh, activity aspect of classes or doing something with someone else. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't always been that way, but recently, um, maybe like in the last five or 
10 years or maybe five or seven years, I've kind of become more of a group uh, class, you know, fan. Um, but I think I do a bunch of different exercises, you know, anything that I can do that kind of um, positively stresses my body, if you will, I like. So whether it's swimming or running or spin class or lifting, I do a lot of resistance training. Um, you know, I, I do it all, but, um, it's been, you know, ironically when Rob died and at the lowest, lowest, lowest point when I was in physical shock and, and psychological shock from his death by suicide, working out was the only time I didn't feel numb. So it, it really was massively therapeutic for me. And I never appreciated that before. Well, I, and the reason why I asked that, I appreciate your sharing that, is because there's recently been a lot more, I guess, emphasis placed on the benefit, the, the group benefit or the social benefit of fitness. And so do you feel that, 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 that you're going to group classes? Did that help you kind of like kickstart or kind of find a new, kind of find your mojo again? I think so. I mean, initially, um, I wasn't ready for that. You know, I, I needed to kind of work out on my own. Um, and I, I worked with my friend and trainer, um, Cliff Randall. Um, and that was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't at a point where I could be in a group class environment initially, but I would say if maybe by three or four months, uh, after Rob's death, then I was able to go back to a fitness class, whether it was full cycle or, you know, a, a kind of boot camp like class and, and be in a group environment. And I, I mean, I did find it really helpful. I mean, I, I found it supportive and I found it, you know, that it is true. There's strength in numbers. And so when you don't feel like you've got the strength, um, to do a workout, there are people right next to you that, you know, are positively motivating you. And it, it was, that was definitely the case for me. Well, I think that's the power of the group, right? And, and that the reason why I want to go to have that little thread is because a lot of people, you know, they kind of relate exercise into how we look, right? Into mm-hmm. I'm going to go exercise. I need to lose X pounds or I need to look a certain way. But I really like the fact that in the last two or three years, there's been a lot more emphasis on this aspect and this, on the mm-hmm. social, on the, on the more the cognitive engagement of that. You know, what, what role does fitness play overall just in our health and well-being. I mean, as a doctor, you obviously know, how often do you find yourself saying to patients that they should be doing more types of physical activity? I mean, I, literally every patient I see, but um, I'll tell you where I've seen kind of an evolution, not just in our culture, but also in my practice. And, and in what I talk about when I'm on national television, you know, on Good Morning America is that I I've started to appreciate now um, that the benefits of fitness are really are truly beyond what we look like. Um, it's as much for stress relief and for um, a, t- a kind of positive distraction from the rest of our hectic and chaotic life uh, as it is for our health. And so you know, I think maybe that some of that comes with age and maturity and some of that comes with cultural trends and, you know, shifts. But it it really is, you know, if you took away all the mirrors in our world um, or the selfies, it's it's still so important and so impactful. What we get from fitness is way beyond, you know, whether you have shoulder definition or, you know, ripped biceps. <laughs> Well, thank you. You could become you could become the spokesperson for the podcast <laughs> because that's exactly Yay. what I mean. that's, So I appreciate it. But, but that's why I want to get people to realize is fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do. You know, it, yep. it's really – you define what you want to do. So let's take that a step further. How would you define self-care? I think this is a somewhat new term that we've maybe heard thrown about, and, and I like it, but I think there's different definitions. So what's your, what's your definition of self-care, Jen? You know, I think that self-care is um, actually, well, first I'll share with you something I read about the term self-care that I agree with, and then I'll tell you where I stand on it. I I think it was the New York Times that said, you know, if self-help is about correcting flaws, self-care already assumes you're perfect the way Mm -hmm. you are. 
And mm. what I liked about that is that it's not it's not really about improvement as much as it is about doing something that just for you, um, you know, and it would be nice if it's good for you, which of course the things in my book, uh, self-care solution are, but it doesn't have to, it's not as simple as a spa day or, you know, getting a haircut or getting a massage. Those things are all true and great and, and examples of self-care, but I think it goes way deeper than that. So to me, it's habits that we can engage in that are cheap, fast, easy, and sustainable that really are for us, you know, will convey some kind of positive benefit for us, um, even if we are, quote unquote, perfect to start with, you know. Um, And so it's not about criticizing. It's not about finding weakness. It's about just taking, meeting ourselves where we already are and doing something for ourselves. And that, you know, as you were saying that, you know, kind of what came to mind was, you're right. We have this whole mystique, or we have this whole myth in our in our society that we need to be perfect. We need to look. We need to have mm-hmm. the perfect things. And as you were saying that, you know, I kind of got this image of self care of like you're driving in your older car. You might have an old Volvo. You love your old Volvo. You don't want to mm-hmm. trade your old Volvo in. Your old right. Volvo is not perfect, but you need to take care of it. You need to go get the tires changed. You need to get the, you know, have the engine worked on. And so I think that's one way to look at self-care is just kind of like ongoing maintenance that we need to do to kind of get through through in our world. You know, would, would that be one way yep. to kind of to take a look at it? I think that that's that's a great analogy. Um, but again, it's about it's not about trying to fix anything. It's not about you know. For me, when I started my experiment, my year-long experiment in self, um, which became my book, The Self-Care Solution, it's not. It's actually the opposite. It's, it was that I was looking at myself saying, I mean, I already eat really well. I already exercise, you know, about five or six days a week. Like, you know, I was holding myself to the same recommendations that I, you know, often advise my patients and, and people on the air to do. So it's not about saying like, oh, it was so bad to start with. I just wanted to see if I could do more and if I could do different and if I could do um, kind of better. So even if I had stayed where I was, that's fine. But I think self-care is about, you know, whether you make the Volvo analogy or your fitness analogy, it's just about doing something for yourself that ideally will have short-term and long-term benefits. And what was the first thing in your year long in, in this year long exploration that you did? And I, I like the way I like the way it was it, you described it. What was the first kind of the first little journey that you went down in, in this in this adventure of yours? Well, it's funny actually, Pete, because the first um, month that I started the year 2018 with was a dry month, and I really that came out of the fact every time I saw patients in my office, which is several days a week. I would ask my patients about their alcohol intake, and I would always hear the same answer. Oh, I just drink socially pretty much on weekends. And I would say to myself, oh, yeah, same with me. And then I would start to tell my patients, you know, let's talk a little bit more about that because a serving of alcohol, as it's correlated with various health outcomes or disease outcomes, is fined as five, five ounces of wine is one serving, or one and a half ounces of hard liquor. And for me, I'm a big Blanco tequila fan. So for me, it's, you know, good really good that's, that's good thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, so I would say to my patients, so, you know, what I, let's imagine what five ounces of wine looks like. And all of us have the same response. It's like five ounces. When I drink, when I drink at home or I drink at a restaurant, I'm not drinking five ounces. If someone brought me a glass with five ounces of wine in it in a restaurant, I would send it back. I would say, where's the rest of the wine? You know, <laughs> and so we're in our supersized society now, we're, we're almost getting double the amount of alcohol in one serving as the definition state we should be getting. So all of a sudden, people who say, I only drink on the weekends and I never have more than two drinks 
on Friday or two drinks on Saturday, which is me, really that two is probably four. So for women, as you know, it's no more than seven servings of alcohol per week as defined as moderate alcohol consumption. And for men, it's 14. So women can easily, easily be almost at 14 uh, in one week. Men have a little bit easier time staying around their recommendations, but women can easily be at or over very easily. So when I realized that, I thought, oh, gosh, you know, it's like Dr. Heal thyself. And so I thought, let me see if I can do a month dry. The last time I did that, I was pregnant and my daughter's a freshman in college. <laughs> um, so it was kind of it, it. And then it just exploded. I announced it on Good Morning America and um, and everyone said, you know what, I'm in, I want to try it with you. And I say, and to be crystal clear, we're not talking about abstaining from alcohol for reasons of sobriety or alcohol use, abuse, oh, dependence no, when, it, when it's a problem. You know, we're talking purely about social alcohol consumption that is not problematic. Well, can I and, cut in on that yeah. for a second, Jen, because I want listeners to know, and I'm not a huge nutrition guru by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. But when I hear alcohol and I, I haven't had a drink for more than 10 years and that's a whole another conversation, wow. but I am not, you know, I am, I am, you know, if somebody can handle alcohol, I am not opposed to it in any way. I'm just one of those people that I shouldn't be around alcohol. <laughs> I was, I was a bartender, right. a, I was a bartender and a rugby player in monies. And let's just say that <laughs> I've, I've earned, I've earned my, I've, I've earned the right yeah. not to drink. But what, totally. what I always point out to people, what I always point out to people is alcohol is seven calories a gram. Alcohol right. is nothing more than sugar. And so right. basically, it's like I, one of the things I point to people, it's like, I'm not judging your alcohol consumption. I don't care personally, but would you sit down and just drink two or three big, large sodas in the evening without really thinking about it? You know, right. it's not that alcohol, wine, red wine doesn't have nearly as much sugar as a soda, but it still is getting them thinking from that health standpoint. And that, I, I, so what was the response? I mean, because if you say people are just having one or two casual drinks in the evening, that's a lot of extra sugar going into their body. So what was the response to you right. from the people that well, joined you? First, I have, to, I have to answer honestly as an individual first, which is um, I – it's funny. You, have, you and I have a, a something else in common, which is I was also a bartender when I was in college, um, and I, I basically never drank then because I was too vain. Like I, you know, kind of – like you're saying, I was like, listen, I work out way too hard. I don't want the added calories. But then I think, you know, I, I guess when I hit 40, I I think it was really more the social part of it that became really fun for me because I had worked so hard, you know, in medical school and ha raising my children and times in my life when I literally couldn't drink. I was too tired or I didn't have time or whatever. And then I hit 40 and I thought, you know, it's really fun to hang out with friends and have one or two drinks. And for me, I, I have this motto, which I've now, my kids, because they're in college, they, they can quote this in their sleep. It's two and through. Like, I never have more than two drinks because I really, really despise feeling bloated or having a headache or feeling hung you know, ever, ever. So it's, for me, it's never more than two. But I really enjoy those two drinks. And now, to your point, I look at, you know, let's say the three nights a week where I have alcohol, and I know if I were to completely give up alcohol like you have, I know I would lose five pounds, which, trust me, I would love to lose, but I enjoy the fun part of that too much. So I don't see it happening. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the, and that, you know, that's the thing, right? If, if I'm, I'm, the, I'm one of those people where – if I if I drink, I don't I don't have an off button. You know, I, I don't you know, I sit <laughs> right, there and, right, start, right. And, and start with two and through. That's the rugby in it, you. <laughs> it, it, well, and, and and that is. But when you look at it, and and people, when you make a small change, because your book is about habits, your book is about doing little things. And I think if people did just a little thing, like maybe you know, not drinking for a month is just something to be more mindful about their mm -hmm. habits. Is that really what you're trying to do? Is just get raise yeah. the awareness of people's daily habits around their health. Totally. And I'll tell you, um, not to be a spoiler alert for the book, but what what I I chronicle in the book for every month's challenge, why I did it 
how the month went for me, the science behind those little challenges, and then tips for the reader. And for me, what I came out of my dry month doing, which has been really, really useful for me, and don't laugh, but I mean, everyone can find their own way, but this is this is the way I've kind of uh, come out of it, is I take my calendar, not the one on my phone, you know, not an electronic version, literally my photo calendar that I make from Shutterfly that I have in my kitchen, and I write down the days of the week that I drink and how many drinks I have so that I can eyeball the month and just like it's a bank account or exercise log and say, okay, this month I went out, you know, seven times and on each of those nights I had two drinks or one night I only had one drink and this is what I took in. And it's just the awareness. It's as you said, that has been really, really helpful and interesting to me. Well, I think it's it's funny because I want to I want to make be perfectly clear. It's no holier than thou reason for not drinking. I just decided to rather than having my my calories, my sugar calories, and alcohol, I get them from donuts. You know, kind of like, <laughs> but it's almost, but it's almost the same thing, right? Is it's like okay, you can have it's it's giving. It's not that people can't have dessert or they can't have a treat, but it's being mindful about it. Just like you exactly. wouldn't have more than three drinks. You know, it's like I wouldn't have a donut every day, but if I'm with That's my right. kids on the weekend. Or if I'm out to dinner on a special event, I might indulge in a dessert. And that's what I like about what your book, how your book is broken down, is because you're not saying change everything. It's just try no. these little things. For right. you, what was the hardest month for you? Of all the challenges that you gave yourself, what did you find was, was the hardest and the most challenging month? You know what? You, you're not going to believe this, but it was actually the, the hydration challenge and drinking more water. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like that would be so easy, but for me, it's brutal. And, um, you know, and how, and how many times have you told your patients or have you told, have you you been telling people to drink? I mean, yeah, exactly. And so it's just, I'm just not good at that. And I, I, I'm still working on that. You know, I have some tricks. I have some things that I learned that month. That helped me that when I, when I use them, I find it much easier. Um, and I would say I'm definitely better than I was before I, I did that month's challenge, but I still need to be better. Now, in the one other month I want to ask you about before we start wrapping it up, because I think this is really important in the self-care, in, in the self-care category. And that's the month you had on mindful tech, on mindful technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you, as, and I know your specialty is OB, is OB1, mm-hmm. so your focus is on women's health. But as a doctor, have you started to see patients whose lives have been adversely affected by technology? Yeah, and guess and what? I think question, I, but. I know. I think in the last week, I mean, and I'm saying this publicly for the first time with you, I think I have um, text them. <laughs> like, Yourself? really? I'm, I'm, yeah. And so, I, I, yes, I have seen my patients and, you know, to some extent, my life adversely affected. And I'll tell you something that's both good news and bad news um, to this point, which is that my children, Alex and Chloe, as I said, who are in college, they are actually more mindful um, and use technology more, I think, more responsibly than I do. They oftentimes will tell me that in their social circles now, they, they put their phone on to disturb a lot. They don't put their phones on the table when they're out to eat with their friends um, you know, they're not, they don't walk around the street looking at their phone or their screen oftentimes like I was doing before that month, you know, so I think at least in that generation, things are starting to kind of, this pendulum is starting to swing back a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I have one of those phones that tells you how much screen time you do a day and sometimes it's been horrifying. So, I'm really still trying to cut down on that. To some extent, you know, we can if your job involves a lot of screen time, which mine does, but it, it still needs to be better. Well, no, I think to your point is about being mindful about it. And I like the fact that your kids, how good does it feel as a parent when you see your kids doing the right thing? Oh my God! Yeah, but how bad does it feel when they start <laughs> lecturing you? <laughs> well, I wasn't. I was going to go. I was going to ask the second part of that. But totally. I mean, 
But to that point, you see that because I've started noticing that that tech does, and, and, and you're right. You know, you have you have mechanical issues, like you can have wrist and thumb issues from doing the texting. You can have neck issues from looking down the screen. But I really think, you know, socially, you know, personally, I'm trying to make 2020 going into a new year. I'm trying to make the the coming year for me building community, building community. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. especially you know where I live. And I think it, just, it struck me that, you know, it used to be, do you remember 10 years ago that if you're waiting in line at, at the Starbucks, you know, you might just have an innocuous, well, you're in Manhattan, so Manhattan, yeah. we don't talk to each other. But, you know, right. you go from having that, that conversation with somebody in line at the Starbucks to now you stand in line and everybody is on their phone. You're taking right. away the opportunity to be social and how important, because you kind of, we started with this, but how important are real life connections? to our overall health and well-being. I mean, I think it's everything. And, um, you know, I think that we've seen and we're we're only starting to see the negative impact of that we're more isolated, that we're more kind of, you know, oblivious to what's going on around us. And that's not good. So um, I really, I agree with you. In 2020, it's it is, you know, for me, it's about focusing on how I can be more present, um, more focused on every everything that I'm doing, not just, you know, the stuff that I, quote unquote, need to be focused on, like work. That, that will, I'll always be focused on. But, you know, other things like when you walk around your neighborhood or you walk around your office or your whatever, are, is your head down or are you looking looking up at people and, and who you can see. And so that's, that's my goal as well in, in the new year. And I think that's that if more people did that just to be more mindful, I think it would really change and bring people's stress levels down. For listeners, as, as we finish here, Jen, what would be your top two self-care tips? If, for, if I were to start trying to implement one or two daily habits that, that you learned over through your book and, and over the course of developing your book, what are one or two tips that you could give us that maybe we can start being more mindful about our self-care? Mm, God, I mean, that's so hard. You're asking the hardest question as the last one because <laughs> in the book, I mean, the whole year was valuable, obviously. But I would say if I had to pick two, um, believe it or not, the ones that for me um, I felt had the most impact were stretching um, cause I feel like whether or not you're into fitness, whether or not you feel like you're flexible, which I was both stretching changed my posture. It changed how I felt it. I believe changed how I looked and it was something I completely ignored and it's so easy to do. So, um, I think stretching is something that most people don't do it. I'm sure you agree from a, a fitness standpoint. And so it's so easy to do, and I, everyone, I think, is going to feel better if they stretch. So that's definitely one of them. Um, and the other one, believe it or not, uh, is laughter. You know, I um, it was something that I, I put in the book as the last monthly challenge because I think that our worlds are really serious today, and there's a lot of – there is a lot of pain and, you know, kind of – downer stuff going on, both to individuals and to our world. And I think we need to consciously make an effort to look for the light moments and, and laugh. And I think that, you know, when I had that epiphany, it was because I was away with my kids um, at the end of 2018. And we, I took them to Hawaii. We had never been to Hawaii before. Three of us were there. And I was, we were doing a horseback ride and I was telling someone, talking to the the guide and he was saying that he had never been to Disney. And I said, oh, you know, well, Disney's great. And, uh, you know, I basically work for Disney because ABC News owned by Disney. And I literally had this light bulb moment where I realized that the reason that Disney is so popular is not just because kids love it, because kids can love almost anything. It's because they've figured out how to make adults feel like kids again. And then I realized like why, you know, that involves laughing. Kids laugh a lot. Like we don't laugh a lot when we, when we grow up. And so I think looking for 
things to laugh at um, and with, even if it's myself, which is endless source of information and material. <laughs> <laughs> I can laugh at myself literally every day. Um, is is something that I I really have made an effort to do in the last year, and it's made me feel better. And I and I hope that it made people around me feel better. Well, I, I love that. I love the laughter angle of it. And, and let me let you in on a little secret. When it, most of the time when I exercise, I'm listening to comedians on Pandora. Oh, that's you know, awesome! I, I, and it really is. And I have to. If people haven't tried that, I really recommend because I don't know about you, but I got so tired of listening to the same songs and. You yeah. know, just over and over again. And I'll listen to podcasts, you know, especially all about fitness or, uh, no, uh, I do that. Yeah, exactly. Promotion. But no, I'll listen, to, I'll listen to podcasts sometimes um, while working out. But I really, I find that if I type in a comedian to Pandora, it just is like for that 30 or 40 minutes, I just start giggling. And the challenge that sometimes you're lifting something heavy and you start laughing, but it really is, I've just found it, it really makes the workouts a little bit, it makes them more enjoyable. They go quicker. And I think you're right. We don't give ourselves enough opportunities to laugh, you know, just in our daily activities. Totally. And so, I mean, I think that that's something we can all benefit from, uh, not only in 2020, but just every single day. Now, so you're you're a medical correspondent for ABC News. Now, were you based out of the the Upper West Side in Manhattan, out of the studios up there? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. I should have started with this as a way to, to make a connection note. But I was it used to be the director of education for the company that owned the Reba, the Reebok Club. That's now. Oh my mine. God! Yeah, yeah. So right of course, what street. a small world. That's so funny. So yeah, I know that. I know that intersection of uh, Upper Northwest or Upper yeah, the Upper West Side of Manhattan uh, very yep. well. Now, mm-hmm. but I hear. For you, do you have a Midwestern accent? I do not have a Midwestern accent. Actually, it's interesting. I was born in California, and I've lived in the New York City area literally my entire life. So. Um, okay. I don't. I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I have a little cold now. Maybe that's affecting my voice. But I was just picking up. And I was picking up like a little Chicago. I was like, you, you're, ah, you're, interesting. You're, you're, you're dropping a couple of words like uh, you just. I was picking up a little Chicago accent. Oh, funny. So when when is when is uh, the self care solution that releases that releases soon? And where can people find it? Uh, well, first of all, they can get it right now, obviously on Amazon or any um, book retailers. It drops on December 30th, so um, if you get it, if you order it now, you will literally get it that day. And uh, there's a whole bunch of really exciting uh, promotion and coverage planned on uh, a lot of, you know, broadcast shows, top TV shows, Kelly and Ryan, The View, The Dr. Oz Show, of course, Good Morning America, your incredible podcast. So um, I'm really hoping that this is you know, and and it's not just a nice gift that one can give someone else, but that they can give themselves. And listen, I understand that my life is unique in a lot of ways. And, you know, I have kind of access to things that I'm really, really lucky to have um, partially because of my jobs. But I really do believe that the content of this book, whether it's the science or the experiments or the personal tips, can really work for anyone's life, any age, male, female, um, wherever they live, and it literally costs some things. So I'm super excited about it. I'm so grateful that um, that I got to talk to you about it. Well, and when I saw that, I thought it was such a great idea because, to your point, habits, you know, medical. If we get sick, if we get if, if we get unhealthy, that can be very very expensive in the long run. Yeah, but little exactly. habits like drinking more water, laughing more stretching more, these little habits that we can work on 30 days at a time can make significant impacts in our life. They don't really cost much, do they? In the big, in no, the big they, they, they don't cost a lot, but you're right. If, if we get sick, that that's very expensive. And, you know, I think for me, I wanted to see if I did these things 30 days at a time, one month at a time, which of them at the end of the year would become daily habits. And a lot of them did. You know, so even if one of them becomes a habit for you, that's one more positive care habit than you had at this time last year. And that is so awesome. Now, you're – and oh, <laughs> kept you on too long. The cold, the cold is sneaking up on you. Now, where can people you, – you obviously are very active on the socials. What are the ways that people can follow you on the social media, and which one are you most active on? Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Well, I'll ask again. So I know you're active on social media. Which social media channel are you most active on? Definitely Instagram is my favorite. So that's uh, I'm on that the most. 
so Instagram, and I'll have a link below that in the show notes, and I also have a link to to your book. So, Dr. Ashton, I really appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate you sharing your experience with us, and I really I, I love the fact that all you're trying to get people to do is just try to just change little habits in their lives, and those little habits become so, so powerful in the long run. That's that's the idea, Pete, and as my voice is, like, dying here, I hope that you enjoy it, your listeners enjoy it, and Maybe we can talk in a year and see how we all did. Yes, you know what? I'm going to hold you to that, and I'll follow up with you in a few in, in 12 months, and we'll have you back on and see how people did. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Take care. Have a wonderful day. That was a fun discussion. And let me just – I'm going to let you in on, on a little bit behind the curtains. This was one of the few times where I was reached out by a PR person. You know, every now and then, not every now and then, I get every day I get pitches from people for for guests for the All About Fitness podcast. Well, before I get into that, real quick, I got to do the plug. Uh, if you if you want to know how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life, if you love the concept of exercise, and, and yes, Self Care Solutions is a great book, and you should pick that up. But that that exercise is only one month out of the 12. My book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple, is all about how you use exercise and how you can design your own exercise programs. Whether you have your own equipment or no equipment at all, you'll learn how to design exercise programs for mobility, metabolic conditioning, and core strength. And I designed the book so you can design workouts for home, you can design workouts in the gym, or if you travel. There's a link down below in the show notes to my publisher, Human Kinetics. And let me just let you know, folks, if you buy from the world's largest bookseller online, the author doesn't really make that much money. So if you are going to buy a copy of Smarter Workouts, please hit that link, and I appreciate that. You'll, you'll be helping me out and helping support the podcast. So back to the discussion about PR people. Every day I get emails from, from public relations people that send me pitches. And I have to tell you, some of these folks, I'm like, I, I don't know. It, you know they're, they're products that maybe that aren't really legitimate or they're, they're vitamins or they're, they're some kind of like, I don't know, supplements. You know, I get supplement stuff or supplements all the time. And I'm not going to bring any of those guests on because they're not legitimate. But when I got when when the person representing you know Dr. Ashton reached out to me, I knew immediately that I had to book this interview because this is a very very important topic. And her experience, what she went through, is a lot of us deal with that. You know, I just went through this past year. I you know I went through a very challenging year, going through you know a divorce, and it's not easy. And and yeah, there are times that you just get mired down and and you forget to, you know, you forget to take care of yourself. And actually, ironically enough, right after this conversation, I had a meeting with my own therapist. And and that's something that's been really cool, right? Is that now there's less and less of a stigma of talking, of, of, of talking about meeting with a therapist. And I can't tell you how critical that's been over the past year of just having somebody else I can go check in with. And one of the things I like about therapists is you dump your stuff on them, and you're paying them to keep their mouth shut. So if you've ever, heard, if you ever, if you're one of those people, ah, I don't need a therapist. Ah, you know, it's not going to help me at all. I used to think that way, but I found that that working with a therapist, going through what I've been going through, and just it really just you know, it's it had, 2019 was tough, but you know what? It's behind me now, and and a lot of that is because you know, you know, I survived because I took the initiative and took care of myself. And one of the important things was I kept exercising. There's at no time have ever stopped exercising. And if you think about that, and I'm actually, you know, exercise is very important for mood regulation. You know, Dr. Ashton could tell you that exercise will, will enhance, you know, neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. Those are our feel-good neuro- neurotransmitters. Those are what produce the, kind of the, the high. You know, and actually, certain types of exercise, higher intensity exercise, will produce some some internal cannabinoids, some of the same psychoactive components that that you find in cannabis. So I'm actually working on a series of interviews with experts in the field of cannabis because cannabis is becoming so you know, you know, you now had Illinois is now what the tenth tenth or eleventh state where you have recreational marijuana, and we have to start understanding how that's going to affect us. So getting back to self care. Hopefully this gave you some insight. Hopefully this gave you a few ideas about what you can do to take a few steps to to enhance your quality of life. Yes, exercise is important. Yes, nutrition is important. But I like that idea of laughter. What about laughter? And I mean that. And, you know, I listened. I got so tired of all my playlists that I listen to various comedians on on Pandora and Apple Music when I'm working out now. 
Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, Joe Rogan, Patton Oswalt, uh, Kyle Kinane. Those were all, man, I love those comedians. The only problem with that, as you heard me say, is if you start laughing when you're lifting something heavy, you know, dangerous things could happen. But I have to tell you, man, and even driving around sometimes, instead of listening to music or news, I'll listen to a comedy podcasts or podcasts by comedians. Uh, my favorite right now is Two Bears, One Cave with Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. And yeah, they're kind of knuckleheads, but man, I can't tell you how hard I laugh. So find your favorite form of self-care. You know, pick up Dr. Ashton's book, pick up my book. Hey, don't pick them up. Go figure out your own form of self-care because the most important thing is that you take care of you. You're the only person that's going to do that. And if you don't take care of you, you can't be any good to anybody else in your life, your family, your, your workers, your, your coworkers. You know, so sometimes, you know what, it seems a little selfish, but it's selfish in a good way because self-care means that you are taking care of yourself and you're sometimes you're putting your needs first. Now, I did that too much, but that's anyway, that's how I got to where I am now. And I'm learning how to sometimes put others in front of me. That's that's my form of self-care. So with that, I'm going to share with you. I don't talk about, well, one of the things I don't, I'm not a huge fan of fitness goals or anything like that. But my goal for 2020, my form of self-care, is I'm working on creating more community. I'm working on enhancing my friends. I'm working on enhancing my real-life social networks for 2020. So as you're listening to this, if you're still listening to this, I want you to think about what self-care solution are you going to try to practice in 2020. If you want to put that on a tweet or an Instagram post, please hashtag all about fitness podcast. I've created that hashtag on Instagram. I'm trying to create more community. If you're looking for different exercise ideas, I now have a YouTube channel. I have, you go to all about fitness podcast on YouTube. I'm just getting it started. If you want more ideas, I'm really starting to put more content up on my blog, PeteMcCallFitness.com. Because another one of my goals for 2020 is I want to make this podcast my full-time business. I want this to be my full-time job. So as I've been working the last couple of years, I've been trying to save money. And I've been really, I'm really trying to, to be able to put some time and effort and resources into the podcast this coming year. So I'm looking forward to this. This is a phenomenal interview with Dr. Ashton. I really hope it gives you some good ideas for what you can do and different ways that you can enhance your quality of life. And as always, if you want ideas, follow me on Instagram. Pete at Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete. I'm sorry. My, I'm sorry to give you two ways. My Instagram is Pete McCall underscore fitness. My Instagram is Pete McCall underscore fitness. My email is Pete at Pete McCall fitness. That's Pete at Pete McCall fitness. So let's connect. Let's touch base. I shared my goal with you. You share your goals with me. And let's start building a community taking care of each other in 2020. So with that, as always, thanks for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.